Hello and welcome to the final Advertising Week Europe podcast sponsored by MWW. My name is John Reynolds, the host. Uh, later we're going to have a chat with Rebecca Blinston-Jones, the UK MD of MWW. Uh, but first up, we're going to talk to Steve Cording, Head of Sponsorship at ESI Media, publisher of the Evening Standard and the Independent. Thanks a million for joining me, Steve. You are very welcome. So you've been on a panel at Adweek Europe, which was all about why US sports are investing in the, in the UK. Can you just give us a listeners a bit of a, a flavour of um, some of the findings from the panel? Yes, we had... Um we have Melissa Brown on from uh, NFL UK and also Aidan Mullally from uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Um, Tottenham Hotspur's new stadium, as you know, um, yeah. has got its first test event this weekend. Uh, much anticipation about the opening of the new stadium and what that will mean for the NFL going forward um, in London in the future. Um, obviously, they've been here, coming here since uh, 2007 anyway, and this year they'll break through the two million uh, barrier for the number of fans have actually come to games so there's a huge appetite for the sport in the UK uh, and what we're finding in particular is um, obviously the Major League Baseball are coming okay. this year as well for the first time so there's a great appeal about London um, in particular and that was one thing that came across strongly from the panel is that London is always going to be somewhere where they want to be and they want to invest and where they're getting more commercial success. So we're talking primarily about NFL baseball and the NBA. I guess I think the NBA and the NFL have got UK, uh, uh, hubs, haven't they? Their European hubs are in London. They have, yes. Um, although the NBA might be moving yeah. to Paris next year, which would be a shame because they've been here for 10 years. Uh, but they've only ever had one game here a year. Uh, it's very, very difficult logistically for them to get here for more than one game. Um, whereas obviously with the NFL, there's been uh, regularly four games a season um, mm. in the UK, primarily in October. I think what they'd like to do is to try and spread it out a little bit more so that it's not seen as being something that's just here for one month of the year and then it disappears because largely then they're only in the spotlight for October and then mm. again when the Super Bowl is on. Um, but obviously it is a, a 16-week season that they'd like to get across. So with the NBA, they might be moving to, is it, is it Paris maybe? Yeah, there was um, some suggestion, uh, the game in January this year yeah. um, when they were here that they might try and have a game in London and a game in Paris. Um, all the indications are that they might just move to Paris and there might not be a London game um, next year. Yeah, because I guess with brands like the M NBA and the NFL, they're sort of global brands, aren't they? And they want to put themselves right across the world, they're not it, just being... Exactly. And I think, um, to be fair to the NBA, London for them is probably not as big a market as the rest of Europe is, whereas for the NFL it's completely different. Um, they are very much uh, here, home in London, and um, it's very much uh, where they see their future. Okay, okay. And on the NFL, so they've got more games at Tottenham Stadium. Are they doing them at Wembley or not? But yes, so there's two, uh, two at Wembley, uh, okay. two at Tottenham. We don't know when they are yet because the schedule for the new season doesn't come out until April. Uh, mm. We do know which teams are coming. Um, and once those games have been played this year, there'll actually only be one of 32 teams in the NFL that haven't actually played in London. Um, so that's the Green Bay Packers because I think one of the challenges that they do have obviously yeah. is that when a team comes here they have to give up a home game yeah. um, and then obviously they've got to placate the fans back in the US who are not going to see one of their home games for that season yeah. um, okay. but I think it's, it's such an established part of the calendar now for them I mean the players definitely look forward to coming if you think about logistically flying from New mm. York to London is only the same as flying from New York to LA anyway so in that sense they're not actually 
uh, it's not that much of a difficult journey for them to make. So um, I think they'll be coming for a lot, many, many years to come. And the deal that Tottenham have got with the NFL is for 10 years anyway. So, so that one's pretty much cemented in. And their new stadium has been built with the NFL in mind. Yeah, sure. Okay, so and, and there has been talk for some time, hasn't there, about a possible franchise team in the UK. I think it was linked, wasn't it, to... Uh, the owner of Fulham, but maybe that's not going to materialise now, is it? No, I mean, uh, Chad Khan was very keen on buying Wembley, obviously he didn't mm. get to buy Wembley from the FA, and that was seen as him saying, well, if I can't get Wembley, then I'm not going to bring a team here. I think from the NFL's perspective, they're quite happy with the business model as it currently stands. The NFL commissioner um, actually said before the Super Bowl anyway that in the near future there won't be a franchise in London. Oh, really? And I think one of the problems with it is is that um, a lot of fans who are here in the UK have affiliations with clubs that they wouldn't necessarily change. I mean, we had Tony Evans on our panel yesterday who's an Evening Standard mm. columnist. Mm. Uh, his first job was actually writing about American football uh, for the LA Times and then he was the editor of First Down when it was a newspaper, so he's a very good authority figure. He's a New York Jets fan. He said if a team came to play in London, he'd still be a New York Jets fan. So he would go and watch games, but they wouldn't potentially have the same fan base uh, yeah. that you get anyway. Because if you go to games in the UK, everybody's wearing different shirts. Yeah, They're not all just yeah. supporting the teams yeah. that are there. So that's different really too if you're watching a football game, a Premier League game, when crowds tend to be more tribal, don't they? I mean, I don't know. I mean, what can you talk a bit about brands and some of the brands that have uh, got or been involved in the with the NFL over the years then too. Yeah, I mean, we currently um, Subway are the headline partner. Um, yeah. We had a partnership on the Evening Standard with Subway um, not last year, 2017, 2018. We worked with Marriotts. Marriotts have been one of the presenting partners for the NFL in the UK uh, for a long time now. Virgin Atlantic, another one who are heavily associated with the NFL. So it does attract some big brands. Um, and they have very distinctive um, sponsorship packages that they have in the UK as opposed mm. to the ones that are um, obviously worldwide with the NFL in the USA. So um, a lot there's a little bit of crossover, but I think the UK team now are getting their own foothold in, in, in being able to sell their own sponsorship deals around those four games. Okay, and I guess it's really competitive field, isn't it, sport? I mean, there's lots of... Uh, very popular sports, football, rugby and the cricket, so it's quite hard for them to get sort of headspace. I mean, in terms of the sponsorship, it is a competitive arena when you're competing for these um, uh, sponsorship pounds. It is, and it's getting bigger and bigger. I mean, one of the themes that's come out of that week this week very much is um, uh, women in sports. Uh, Telegraph launched a new initiative this week. Uh, There was a new announcement yesterday of Barclays are going to be the new headline sponsors for the FA Women's Premier League. And that just shows that in terms of the landscape, it's just expanding and getting bigger. And one of the biggest events this year, obviously, is the Women's World Cup. So even though there's not a Olympic Games or a Men's World Cup, there's still an awful lot that's going to be happening this year. So, yeah, very much. It's a very, very crowded and competitive market, but it doesn't show any signs of slowing down. I mean, that's the one thing that I found working in sponsorship in the standard. The majority of the sponsorships that we carry are on the sports pages, and that's where I think it's most naturally at home. Um, We've never been criticised for any of the sponsorship deals that we've done. Never had a complaint from a reader about any of the sponsorships that we've carried. And I think it's almost felt as their sponsorship and sport are almost natural bedfellows, I think. 
So that's the, the sports content is sponsored every day, is it in the paper now? Yeah, we've got um, Betfair are our um, football partner, so they sponsor yeah, sure. all our football coverage. Um, Friday, for instance, if you looked at all the pages, we had QBE sponsoring our uh, Six yeah. Nations rugby. We had Marriott was sponsoring our F1 coverage, yeah. uh, and Betfair obviously is sponsoring the football coverage. So. There's lots of um, sponsorship opportunities that we've got, and they seem to most of them have been taken up. And just give the listeners, you mentioned some of the big events. So there's a number of big events this year, sporting events, isn't there? Just outside American sports, we've got the Rugby World Cup in Japan, we've got, got the, the Ashes. What, we, I mean, what's, what, got, yeah, what's the biggest the one going to be? We've obviously got the Cricket World Cup as well, which yes. is here, which is another big one. Um, as I mentioned, the Women's World Cup, which is in, um, in France, and yes, the Rugby World Cup in Japan, which is later in the year. And then Japan again is the focus again the following year when the Olympics are there in, uh, in 2020. Um, this weekend, obviously on Friday, England start their qualifying for Euro 2020, um, which is spread all the way across Europe, but there are actually seven games in London. So if we can get through to that, then there's a potential there for that to be the biggest event in this country since uh, Euro 96. Okay, all right, okay. That's fantastic. Maybe bring Rebecca in here. Did you get a chance to uh, attend Steve's uh, panel? and? Uh any take on the, the NFL in the um, coming to the you know get a, a more established footprint in the in the UK? Yeah, no, I did sit in on Steve's panel, which was really interesting, and um, I think it's great to see the NFL um, okay. investing more in London. And I've got some friends that have been to some of the games, and this is a really family event. Yes, I thought one with really interesting um, things that the guy from Tottenham said was that the ability of one of the turnstiles that you can actually go in and out of the stadium, which I think is, I'm not a football yes. fan, but I yeah. think that's probably quite unusual. So to go out, interact with mm-hmm. activation, sponsorship, um, entertainment, and then come back in again. So um, that all sounded really interesting. Okay, and more broadly, I've seen you at a few events uh, this week. Anything that's particularly caught your eye? or? So Monday was all about influencer marketing. Um, so we had News UK guy on, because yeah, they've so launched the, uh, the fifth. The fifth, which is their new influencer marketing agency. Um, but I sat through most of the sessions on Monday's track and I think the key themes were the um, uh, objective of trying to professionalise the industry, um, right. maybe hopefully growing up a bit, yeah. um, not just agencies but from influencers as well. There's quite a few panels that actually had influencers on, um, some more mainstream than others but that they're, they want to be challenged and pushed by brands to so yeah. they're not coming up with pedestrian responses to briefs um, and I think they they would much prefer to have much more of an open brief that they can respond to that taps into their the knowledge that they have about their micro audiences so that was quite interesting and then the um, there was a trust expert and author mm. Rachel Botsman um, she, she's written a whole book about trust which is obviously mm. very relevant for um, influencers and wider advertising okay. trends so um, she was really interesting I enjoyed listening to her um, and then yesterday I went to one on 5G storytelling which right. I did actually have a question for your panel yesterday Steve but it didn't get through the Slido approval process <laughs> don't know why um, <laughs> because they talked in the 5G session with Verizon right. Verizon yeah. um, they talked about the opportunity for 5G and Stadia and how okay. Um, the technology is going to be really groundbreaking for sports. Maybe you can ask Steve your question then. Yeah. Well, what, what, do you know what the opportunity is? Well, I think it's probably huge, to be honest. I think one of the one of the biggest frustrations that most sports fans have when they go to stadia is that they, they can't get connected mm-hmm. ever because when everybody's on there at the same time, it's just impossible to get through. So I think if that, that takes that up a notch, um, I know that... Um, 
one of the things that they're particularly looking at is how can they enhance that spectator experience when you're actually sat in your seat. So mm. the less you have to get up when you're actually in a stadium, if you can order, I know there's stadiums in the US where you can order your drinks and order your food from your chair, so you don't actually need to move at all. Uh, probably not great for the health of the nation, but that's no. something that... Sedentary. Exactly, something that obviously for... For that experience, it just enhances it because you don't have to queue up for anything. And then obviously, if you can get live replays, etc., etc., then I think that can only work. But yeah, that is definitely, a, a, I think that is a big issue at Sports Stadia at the moment, is just being able to get connected when you're actually there. Okay, and more broadly, Adelaide Europe, I, don't, I guess you've both been on previous years, have you? I mean, was it better or worse than previous years? I mean, what's the overall? I think the fact that they didn't have one theme was helpful because mm. I think in previous years they're trying to maybe retrofit panel sessions into a theme. Yeah. Um, so this, I, what I've deliberately tried to do is go to sessions where hopefully I'm going to learn something as opposed to just go and hear Richard E. Grant speak or... Um, Did you hear Richard E. Grant? No, because no. I was at the oh, session. Sorry. No, <laughs> you, you, you came for the phone finger, didn't you? I did, I had a phone yeah. finger. <laughs> I waved that about. Um, oh. So I feel like there's there's... Uh, there were some interesting people taking part. I didn't feel like it was completely dominated by ad tech. Yes. Um, I thought it was interesting to see Activision, um, Blizzard Media, I yes. think their media yeah. bit is called that. Um, they had the session at Ronnie Scott's yesterday and they seem to have a relatively big presence and was trying to woo mm. the advertising industry. So um, there have been some comments that people see a lot more students knocking about. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. But I guess I mean it is. I mean it is must be still important because the number of uh, businesses, like News UK, they've chimed the announcement of the fifth to coincide with Ad Week Europe. So there have been some announcements. I think the Ad Association had a breakfast when they disclosed some new uh, figures showing the yeah. industry was in rude health. Yeah. yeah. So I mean it, I think it's still a significant conference, isn't it, Steve? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean the Telegraph, as I mentioned earlier, they they their new initiative on uh, women's sport was announced um, on Monday as well to coincide with the launch of their new. Um, supplement in the paper, so I, I think so. I agree with um, Rebecca. There's been a huge um, sway of different things to go to and different um, different themed events. I mean, I've got the most out of obviously the sports events, and even they've been varied. So from F1 to listening to the marketing director from Manchester City right. um, to Jason Robinson and Hugo Monu talking, it's, it's been it's been very very. Uh, varied and different and I think something for everybody's taste and I think you're right there has been a it, it did feel a lot younger as well the audience which I don't think is necessarily a bad, bad thing because I think if that means that there's more interest in coming into the industry as a whole then that that can only be good going forward I although think. I couldn't get into the Gen Z session because it was too <laughs> oversubscribed so maybe that's where all the old people were well, well, I, w I wouldn't. I wouldn't take that um, uh, too personally. And, and the venue itself, Pitch House, is a pretty good venue, isn't it? It's quite lends yeah, itself quite well yeah, to the whole yeah, thing. I, mean, I did go to, when it was at BAFTA um, a few years ago, and the queuing was pretty horrendous at BAFTA. So they seem to have um, got the venue. They could do with some better food, though. It's, mm. it's very well organised, I have to say. Did you not like the afternoon tea? I just, oh, I yeah, did but you, like have the to afternoon be, you have to get into the members' lounge for that. Oh, yes, yeah, so no, I, was, I, was, I was lucky. Yeah. And, I mean, there are some new names. I think there is a tendency with these conferences to see the same uh, people speaking again who are kind of yeah. well-versed, aren't they? And you hear the same lines. But that's been some interesting... Well, Martin Sorrell, for example. Well, yeah, but well, not just him. There's been quite a few. But I think there was, uh, as you said, covering, covering a lot of subjects. OK, right, that is uh, fantastic. So I think that's all from us. So thank you very much, Rebecca. And thank you very much... Uh, Steve, and thanks for listening.